0: And welcome back to the third episode of the Young Investor Society's podcast, Gen Zomics. I'm your host, Gregory Shelsey, and today is the start of our Fundamentals series, where I discuss the fundamentals of the stock market and how to get started in investing. So today, we're going to be talking about how to get started in the stock market and what you should know before investing your money. Now, before you ask, where should I invest? What should I buy? I think it's very important to understand that knowledge is power in the stock market. So before you make an account, touch your money, ask your parents for their credit card information, what you should really do is use your parents' credit card information with their consent, of course, to buy one or two books off of Amazon about the fundamentals of investing. It's not going to teach you anything insane, but it's going to make you feel comfortable in the stock market and feel comfortable owning assets. The two books I always recommend for beginners are Rich Dad, Poor Dad* by Robert Kiyosaki and A Random Walk Down Wall Street. Both of these books give a great overview of what it means to own an asset and a general approach to the market and investing passively. I know you've probably seen the Wolf of Wall Street and your first thought when you think of the stock market is that you're going to have 500% days and you know, you're you going to get to meet Marco Robbie and drive a Ferrari even though you might be 12. That's not going to be the case. For a lot of you out there, you're not going to be starting with a great deal of money. And that's fine, but it means that you need to be intelligent about where you place your money because you're not going to own a lot of stocks. So, after you read those books, what you need to do is find a brokerage firm. And you might be saying, well, what is a brokerage firm? And a brokerage firm is a place that offers the service of buying and selling stocks on your behalf. A most com- the most commonly known one among young people is Robinhood, although I am very against using Robinhood, as first of all, they prevented users from buying stocks during the GameStop short squeeze, but also because they're prone to crashing and they don't have a customer service number. So, if you're looking to invest, I'd recommend going to Fidelity, Schwab, or TD Ameritrade. And you might be saying, why? Well, the reasons are simple. Number one, they have little to no commissions. On Wall Street, there's no free lunch, so of course, in some way, shape, or form, you're gonna be paying commissions, but all three of these firms charge very little for their services. Secondly, they have a customer service hotline. I know I use Charles Schwab, and I've been on the phone with people who've answered some real questions I've had, and it's been very helpful in helping me grow as an investor. And on top of that, they're reliable. Fidelity, Schwab, and TD Ameritrade have been around for years. They don't tend to crash frequently, and they offer a good service especially for beginners. And because of their low cost and their reliability, it's really an ideal place to start. Now that we've discussed the brokerage firms generally, Let's begin to talk about the products that they offer and how that applies to you so the main service that all these brokerage firms offer is a brokerage account this can be made when you're over the age of 18 and it allows you to buy stocks and options and etfs with little to no commissions and it gives you the freedom to to trade stocks without without any interference the problem is is that you need to be at least 18 to start it and although that may not be an obstacle for some of my listeners I know that for most of you, you aren't old enough to start your own brokerage account. Now, don't don't let your hopes down. That does not mean you can't invest. It just means you need to start a custodial brokerage account. A custodial brokerage account is basically a brokerage account, but it's in your parents name initially. Then when you turn 18, the account, its rights and all of that stuff transfers over to you and serves as a normal brokerage account that anyone over the age of 18 can make. And because of that it's really convenient to to start one i know a few people who started brokerage accounts under their parents name and then when they turned 18 they wanted to make their own the problem was however that then they had to liquidate all the assets in the old account to transfer it over to the one in their name and if you're investing responsibly and you're investing for the long term you really never want to have to liquidate your stocks and your index funds so if you're under the age of 18 I would recommend getting a custodial brokerage account from Fidelity, Charles Schwab, or TD Ameritrade, and then allowing it to transfer over to your name using your social security number once you're old enough to have your own. Now that we've covered everything in relation to brokerage firms and the accounts that they offer, let's begin to talk about what you should do with your money once you are able to start investing. A lot of new investors try and buy companies without knowing fundamentals and how to invest. And don't worry, I'm going to teach you that later on. But the second you start an account, my biggest piece of advice would be to buy index funds. And what index funds are, are exchange traded funds that mirror a certain part of the stock market. It can mirror the Dow, it can mirror the S&P 500, it can mirror gold prices. But in my opinion, the best index fund is the one that mirrors the S&P 500. And here's why. The S&P 500 consists of the best publicly traded companies in the United States. They've all been profitable for years, and they're showing strong signs of growth for the most part. Although there are a few laggards in the S&P 500, by buying the index funds, you're essentially buying a little piece of each company within it. So if you buy one share of Vanguard's S&P 500 index fund, VOO, it's like you own a little bit of Apple, a little bit of Microsoft, a little bit of Amazon, and a little bit of Tesla, and you know, the rest of the companies. And the S&P 500 since the Great Depression has returned, on average, 10% a year. And at first, that may not sound like a lot, but it really is, and here's why. The first year you start investing, you'll buy a few shares of index funds, and you'll make, you know, eight to 10%, but because we're in a good market, you can make more. Now, as time goes on, you'll keep making 10%, but the thing is, you won't be making 10% on your original investment. You'll be making 10% on the 10% you made the year before, on the 10% you made the year before. This is called compounding, and although at first it isn't noticeable, it's what allows people to retire comfortably. Your parents probably are planning to retire by using a 401k or a Roth IRA, and the way they do it is by buying index funds and allowing their money to compound over time. And as you get more money, you can keep buying index funds. That's called dollar cost averaging, which is essentially buying more shares of index funds as time passes. A lot of people, it's a dollar cost average, at the end of every week or at the end of every month, they'll buy as many shares of index funds as they've decided they're comfortable buying. So if you're making $1,000 a week, maybe you buy one share of VOO every single week, or maybe every other week. But in time, it allows you to track the growth of the market as you continue to invest money. And it compounds beautifully. It may seem boring, but I would really like to tell you guys that that's Warren Buffett's go-to strategy. He said multiple times in interviews that when he passes away, he's going to leave the money that he's made to his children in index funds, and he wants them to just let it compound. Albert Einstein called compound interest the eighth wonder of the world, and it's easy to see why. If you started with a million dollars today, bought index funds, and compounded it at 10% a year with no additional investment... In 70 years, by the time you'd be looking to retire, or maybe to give it to your kids, it would be worth a few hundred million dollars. And no, that's not me being bad at math either. If you don't believe me, I'd strongly advise that you look up a compound interest interest calculator on the internet and begin to play around with what compound interest does to stock portfolios. Now that you've learned the basics of brokerage firms, brokerage accounts, and index funds, you probably think that you're ready to take on Wall Street by yourself. The truth is that you're not. When I started investing, I did not know nearly as much as I know today, and not all of that is attributed to me buying and selling stocks on a somewhat regular basis. What really helped me grow and learn as an investor came from reading news articles, watching TV, and listening to podcasts. Most notably, I watched CNBC religiously. Every single day at 8 o'clock in the morning, I turned on CNBC, CNBC in my parents' living room, and I just watched. And when I was first investing... Not a lot of it made sense to me. I didn't understand how bonds worked, and I didn't understand why the market was up, or why oil mattered, and this and that and the other. But over time, as the anchors kept talking about those same concepts, I began to understand what they meant and how they applied to myself and my financial situation. And I guarantee the same will happen for you. Plus, I gained some phenomenal insights by listening to some great interviews and just by staying informed with the news that was happening on Wall Street at that given time. Secondly, I did an obsessive amount of Googling. It may seem tedious at first as well, but Googling things that you don't know is a quick way to learn them and hopefully retain them. I used Yahoo Finance and Investopedia nearly every single day to stay on top of what I was doing. Whether it was looking at companies, looking at their balance sheets, or just learning how to invest responsibly, Investopedia, Yahoo Finance, and MarketWatch were all all great unbiased sources that helped me learn the market. Now, as you're reading these news articles and listening to the TV, I guarantee you're gonna run into a problem that you are yet to think about. You're gonna see people on the internet or you're gonna see people on the TV that are making stellar returns compared to your index funds. Now, before you sell everything and try and be like them, I wanna remind you that people that are making 500% a year are not going to be able to do it in the long run. It may not seem like it at first, but people who are trading penny stocks are not going to be able to retire comfortably. There's just no shot of that happening. So always remember what we talked about today, that as long as you stay focused, stay driven, and keep investing responsibly, you will be fine. Also, none of this goes without active learning. You need to continue to learn as you're investing, like I said earlier. So if you keep doing those things, I promise you from the bottom of my heart that you'll do well in the market and you'll begin to learn what it takes to become an intelligent investor. Also, if you keep tuning into my podcast, you'll learn even more. So before this episode ends, I need to ask you, the listener, for one huge favor. I make this podcast for free because I want to share financial literacy concepts with those who don't know them. And because of that, I really want to see my listener base grow into a community where everyone can exchange ideas, lessons, and grow together. So I need your help. You've listened to this episode and hopefully you've liked it. So if you could please take two seconds out of your day to share this podcast with someone who you think will find it interesting. And if you don't know anyone, you can share it on your Instagram story or on your Twitter feed or anywhere where we can get more attention to continue to grow this community to have more listeners. I would really appreciate it and it would mean the world to me. So that's it for me. Thank you for tuning in for Young Investor Society's third episode of their podcast, Gen Znomics. I'm your host, Gregory Shelsey, and I'll see you next time.